0: Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louie Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged.
1: Four minutes. Four minutes. Four minutes. Four minutes. Four minutes. Four minutes.
0: Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world. You get in four minutes. We start things off in downtown Boston. <laughs> Not good. I mean, Arizona – actually, is Buffalo. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote Boston. Arizona Coyotes a loser 5-3 to three in Buffalo. But Melka did have 33 saves but didn't look very good. Uh, head coach Andre Turney, A, did you know that you were in Buffalo? And B, with all the injuries racking up, do you think that's an okay excuse to why you struck that doesn't. That's not an excuse.
2: We didn't make a play. We there's no nothing else to about that game. We did not make passes. Every pass was behind, was on a was off, was over our, the stick. So you cannot play hockey in that league like, if you don't have the skill to make it. Wow
0: can't play if you don't have the skill to make a play. Okay. The Coyotes drop to the final spot in the wild card race. One point of St. Louis. Blues are in Detroit tonight. Coyotes are in Pittsburgh tonight with the back end of a back-to-back. Three games and four nights. Going to be tough. Face off in Pittsburgh at 5 o'clock. Four games left. Two at home, two on the road, two in the division. It's going to be San Francisco up next. Jonathan Gannon with what's left. Do you feel you have something to prove?
3: No, I think that, um, you know, it's something to prove. I wouldn't say that. I I mean, we're going to focus and put all our energy into San Francisco.
0: See what happens against those 49ers. Kickoff Sunday, 2 o'clock. Wow, what an event last night. A doubleheader on Monday Night Football. Two upsets, and both teams that pulled off an upset needed a muffed punt to be able to do it. New York beat Green Bay 24-22. The new Linsanity version darling of New York is quarterback Tommy DeVito from um, New Jersey. He went 17-21, 158 yards passing, one touchdown. He leads them to a victory. It was even crazier in Miami. Tennessee won 28 27 under seven minutes to go the game is tied 13 13 but because of turnovers Miami has back-to-back two play touchdown drives but then turn around and Tennessee gets back-to-back touchdown drives but they went for two in between them and ended up winning by a point crazy night in Monday Night Football Dolphins are still the one seed Quarterback room just got busier for Arizona State. Rashada is still there. Sam Levitt is committed; is a committed transfer now from Michigan State, and they got a preferred walk-on. Liberty quarterback Navi Brown has joined the quarterback room for ASU. You know that Shohei Ohtani contract—the ten-year, seven hundred million. It's actually only $2 million a year. Otani makes $45 million a year in endorsements, and he said, I'll tell you what, why don't we defer the entire other $68 million every year, pay me when I'm done playing. I hate the Dodgers. I don't like L.A. either in general, and the Lakers did something crazy. All their great banners, they're going to officially hire an in-season tournament banner. Come on. Oh! My favorite golfer, at least is loyal, Tony Finau has announced that he's staying on the PGA Tour. And finally, oh, yeah, this is great. Have you ever seen a wooden manatee and decided, I want on? Uh, I hope not. Anthony Lessa. I had never heard of Gator Nuggets, but I guess Gator Nuggets are no different than chicken nuggets. Well, Anthony Lessa had a bunch of Gator Nuggets in his pocket, and at varying degrees of intoxication, he stood out in front of a St. Petersburg, Florida restaurant and started throwing the Gator Nuggets at people eating dinner over a deck. When management and servers tried to get him to leave, he grabbed their wooden manatee that had the t-shirt on that said, Did someone say tacos? And decided what so many people decide when they see a wooden manatee. He decided to have sex with the wooden manatee right then and there. When he got chased away from the restaurant, he decided it's time to go to a hotel and throw his remaining gator nuggets at people who were standing along the bar. Eventually, police caught up to him, and during his arrest, he yelled, Why are you arresting me? I haven't done anything. Goodbye, Anthony. Jackpot, Unplugged Army. I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Sivlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls a shirt and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus, at whirlwind golf club at wild horse pass go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and feel the wind
2: i'm janelle general manager of bell's nashville kitchen aka the whiskey wizard bells isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food we are a scratch kitchen with chef inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of arizona our nashville hot chicken sandwich now the drinks i spend days infusing our own whiskey creations Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about, and drink, our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch.
0: Bell's Nashville Kitchen, on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. So I don't know if you watched last night, but Tommy DeVito is a New Jersey Italian who... Is now the starting quarterback for the New York football giants. His family, he still lives at home with mom, but she doesn't cook dinner anymore because all the neighbors bring the food all the time. Let's party with them. Good morning. Good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz Unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world. Totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, G, C, U, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Berk. Close. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I Listen, I don't like the Giants. I'm a Washington, whoever we are this week, fan. So I've never liked the Giants. But man, that story was just fantastic. That story was fantastic yesterday. If you didn't see it, Tommy DeVito is this kid who went to uh, New Jersey Bosco Prep, went to Syracuse, ends up on the Giants roster, ends up as the number two quarterback. Daniel Jones gets hurt. He comes in, loses a game. Now he's on a three-game winning streak. And what's ridiculous is the Giants are now a game out of the playoffs, as ho- horrible as the Giants are. Now, there's a lot of teams that are tied at six and seven, and the Giants are five and eight, but this is just ridiculous. I mean, this, I, I, the, I shouldn't laugh because I'm somewhat laughing at somebody who makes $750,000 a year and lives at home. I think that but granted it is New York so you might as well save money. You have to be worried about Giants fans full well knowing, hey, we're going to figure out where you live and we're going to come cheer your house. And it's like, hey, Tommy needs to sleep. Go home. You know, come on New York and see so you've got that dynamic going on. You also have the dynamic of Daniel Jones. Like, hey, you can't win three in a row, but this guy out of nowhere can. He only went 17 to 21, but with only four incompletions and no picks. He, he just did fantastic. His dad is just such the epitome of that guy is New York. I mean, you see that guy and you're just, that guy's New York. It's just so fantastic to, uh, to watch that. I don't know how you felt about the double Monday Night Football games, the doubleheader, and how cool that was. I I enjoyed it uh, a lot. They've had doubleheaders forever, but I don't remember them ever having it at the same time. It's basically going to be a ratings ploy. I bet this will uh, continue on occasion, not every Monday, but it'll continue on occasion every year where you'll have the doubleheader simultaneous broadcast. And if you care, if you wonder why you do that, It's for ratings because ABC will always have better ratings than ESPN. It's an over-the-air network, and yes, there are still about eight people that have antennas, so you get added benefit of those people. And then you have some people that just have basic cable or a basic television package that includes their local over-the-air affiliate like ABC but doesn't have ESPN. So you just have a larger pool to be able to draw from. And what they'll do then is I bet they'll regionalize the broadcast. So let's say you have, uh, just for sake of argument, you know, if the Cardinals ever get back to the point where being a Monday night team, you'll have the Cardinals on one game. Let's say it's Cardinals-Giants on one game, and another game would be like an AFC game of, uh, we'll just say, Steelers and Dolphins you decide which you think has bigger national implications but the New York market and surrounding areas and and a lot of NFC markets and then Phoenix of course would get Cardinals Giants and then maybe the rest of the country gets Steelers Dolphins something like that and you flip it so if you are in a Steelers Dolphins area that's your ABC game but you can still watch the Cardinals on ESPN and if you're in a market that's more Cardinals or Giants, well, then you get that on your ABC affiliate. For us locally, it's ABC 15 and then the other games on ESPN. But then ABC's allowed to morph both games as their football rating. So here is our rating for the show Monday Night Football. It doesn't matter that they had two different games on in different markets. They get to combine the, the the whole ratings of the night for ABC. So that would probably be something that you're gonna see again. I just thought that was that was fantastic. Um oh and one other thing, the Spurs have lost seventeen in a row I'm sorry. I, I hate I hate the Spurs. Um I was driving in today and heard something and I I have to care about something, and I just, I just want to check. Jeff Weir Production, how are you doing? Are you, are you doing all right? I'm doing okay. You sure? Yeah, how are you? Good. Do you want to open up about anything? Are you sure everything's all right?
4: Well, now you've got me questioning myself. Am I supposed to be worried about something?
0: There is a survey that came out according to USA Today. Here are the 10 most stressful jobs in America. All right? Oh, no. Uh, let me give you the top eight, because that's what's in front of me. Uh, or can I hit more items and get it? Is there a good list? It's USA Today, so you know when you look at USA Today, it's a nightmare trying to find what you want. Um, okay. Uh, there we go. The 10 most stressful jobs. A urologist is number five. Are you a a urologist? Oh, no, it's actually jumped up to number one, so I'm a little worried. Urologist is number one. Most stressful job in America is a urologist. That is one gig I don't want right there. I mean, I don't need things waving in front of me all day, so I'm with you. I'm going to skip number two for a second. Number three is the anesthesiologist assistant. I totally get that. Every time Jennifer's had an epidural for one of our C-sections, I act like there's been seven of them for either of the C-sections. She's had a nightmare experience with the anesthesiologist assistant. Uh, Judges are number four. Anyone who's a phone operator at any company, because of all the people that call up as a jerk, (laughs) are number five an acute care nurse, an obstetrician or gynecologist. Isn't that amazing? What is it with the privates? The two, number one and number seven of the most stressful jobs in America are doctors that deal with privates. And number eight is a public safety telecommunications director. Now, I skipped number two. Jeff, are you sure you're okay? For now. Okay. The second most stressful job in America
4: is a film and video editor. I can see that. Oh, I just... (laughs) I don't do a lot of editing myself. Of course, I edit your show. And um, Izzy does a lot of editing. He does a lot of editing. So maybe that question should be aimed towards Yeah, it's interesting because Izzy is one of the top five
0: nicest people I've met. Like, if, for those of you that haven't met Izzy before, he's so nice. It's kind of one of those guys that you kind of get creeped out by because he's so nice. Because you're like, okay, what's wrong with my life? Why aren't I... Like, you know <laughs> you're flawed when you're around Izzy because you know you're not as nice as Izzy. Why can't I be that nice? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I... Well, I wonder that about me. Uh, now, for you, I, I admit, you're you're... You're kind of nice too, but you're. There's just something about you that lets you know that you have more, Jeff. Like, I, I could see you losing it and, like, you know, punching seven people and having sex with a wooden manatee. Okay. You just don't see Izzy being that way. How about that guy? That guy, it's so funny to me. He just. There's a wooden manatee. And the whole time, the manatee has this big wooden smile and a T-shirt that says, Did someone say tacos? Wow, Wow, this guy's knocked him over. (laughs) Oh, man. I just, you're sitting there eating dinner, and all of a sudden, what was that? You got hit by a gator nugget, honey. <laughs> and there's this guy throwing gator nuggets at you, and then you don't know whether to be pissed off as hell because he just ruined, he's screwing with your dinner, or if it's hilarious. And then he runs over and jumps on top of a wooden manatee
4: remember i told you that it reminded me of a movie i'm gonna bring in a clip tomorrow of the movie that it reminds me of okay okay i'll, I'll have that clip ready for you oh
0: tomorrow. my gosh that one that one got to me when i saw that one last night when i saw that one last night and, and intern mckenna is home and she hates hates with a passion any subject that's even remotely sexual. So today, she already wouldn't like today's show because it deals with urologists, gynecologists, and wooden manatees. So she's, she would be out. And, and then when I started talking about this story, even she started laughing at this guy. And then to end the evening, why am I getting arrested? Why am I getting arrested? I'm not drunk. I'm not drunk. I mean, this guy Gator and that sounds expensive i mean if you're going to be throwing things at least get like a 20 pack of chicken nuggets save some money and be throwing them around <laughs> oh that's one of those side splitters that just kind of uh kind of really hurts all right let's uh should i bring some content here at some point and and kind of do something with my life we I want to play you an entire press conference today. Don't worry. It's only two minutes long. But I just thought this was fantastic listening to Andre Turney, uh last night after the uh, Coyotes lost. I-, I think the Coyotes lost three in a row, won five in a row, and now they've lost three in a row, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to look it up, and I might be wrong, and they've lost four in a row. And then tonight is game three of four games – or excuse me, game three of three games and four nights in the back end of a back-to-back. That's not good. So that's going to be pretty difficult. Got a lot of Cardinals to do. Uh, Sound credits are Coyote's PR department, azcardinals.com, and uh, I think think that's it. And then I didn't really – I didn't grab any of the highlights from – NFL last night but boy did I enjoy it I just I, I don't know you know when it's your job you just kind of watch because you're supposed to and uh, but I really enjoyed watching last night anything else other than the stress level in your life Jeff we production anything going on with you
4: nothing that I can think of
0: all right then let's roll Doug's big one Doug's big one today is really wondering I talked about it a lot yesterday and that is the Arizona Cardinals situation with Terry McDonough, the arbitration case against Michael Bidwill, and what's going to happen. And I, I really want to hammer home here the difference between if you have a different team president versus Michael Bidwill. Then I'm wondering what would the what would the organization do with everything that's gone on? What would the organization do? I want you to think about what might happen and. Again, I am going by the theory that if the Arizona Cardinals lose this case, I I have zero idea if they're going to win or lose. I was never a part of any of the hearings. I've never seen a transcript and I've never had a good conversation with somebody that knows really what happened throughout every course of the of the situation. Well, let me tell you what I do know. That's, that's factual according to other people, but I don't know that it's fact, okay? The actual complaint originally filed by Terry McDonough. And in that original complaint, it explains how Terry McDonough was moving up the ladder until the burner phone scandal. And then all of a sudden was massively demoted without ever a clear sign that his performance was slipping. So you have that complaint against the Cardinals. Then you have the statement from Jim McCarthy, the horrible PR statement that challenged Terry uh, McDonough's abilities as a father and also challenged him as a domestic abuser. And then tried to say his performance had slipped greatly but didn't show why it had been able to kind of fall apart or anything like that. So you have that angle Now you have the testimony from Steve Wilks, as reported by ESPN, the former head coach that was only there for a year, claims that the burner phones were given out by a staffer. And he said he had the conversation with Terry McDonough saying he's not comfortable with doing it. In that Jim McCarthy statement I mentioned, it says Michael Bidwill found out about the burner phones and put a stop to it immediately and collected the burner phones. Steve Wilk's testimony, again, according to ESPN, I wasn't there, directly conflicts Michael Bidwill's statements. Now, Michael Bidwill has never lied to me. OK, I've never had a beer with him and, and, and had him lie to my face or anything like that. But I know Jim McCarthy's statement about Terry McDonough is a bunch of crap. So if I already know you as an organization have no problem paying for crap, trying to dump that on your fan base, and thinking your fan base is so stupid they're going to believe it. If that's your M.O., and everything I ever heard, even from people that didn't think Steve Wilkes was a great head coach, everybody always talks about the integrity of that man. Everyone talks about the class of that man. Everyone talks about the honesty of that man. So here's what I have. An organization that's willing to pay to make up stuff about another person. And a man that all people do is talk about his integrity, who says my phone was not collected until Steve Kine came back into the building. All right. Since that's what we know, I am much more inclined to believe the Terry McDonough side of things. So, if this happens, that Terry McDonough wins this case, if the NFL is not a sham, and I do believe it's a sham, but hopefully I'm proven wrong, there will be things that affect the Cardinals on the field. A loss of draft picks. A fine. Potentially a salary cap issue. A suspension of the owner. If it's true... Now, Steve Kime might have just been sucking up and being ridiculous. I don't know. But Steve Kime used to talk about going to the Combine and Michael Bidwell being a part of those meetings. And since he used to be a federal prosecutor, he said he was really good at asking some follow-up questions, seeing through some of the crap that is being shoveled by players because they're young and their agents try to dress them up and their agents try to get them to say different things and their agents try to prepare them for these meetings, and they've, maybe the kid's covering something up from their past. If it's true that Michael Bidwell was good at seeing through it, is he going to be allowed to go to the combine or is he not? Again, maybe that's minor, and Steve Kine was just lying in order to say, my boss is wonderful, give me a raise. I don't know the answer to that. But when I look at that, this will affect the on-field product. When the president of the team... Affects the on-field product. How how much should they still be, you know, involved in the team? Now, I am not saying that Michael Bidwill should sell the team because of this. That that's that kind of hits at me as an American. That unless you're such a horrible person as Daniel Snyder, Donald Sterling, something like that. I don't see the need to force an American to sell their house, sell their car, sell their business, things like that. But just so you know legally, you have agreed to enter into a club and that club has these rules. And if you violate those rules, you are out, you can be voted out of the club. So just what I know, I don't think this rises to the point of Michael Bidwill being forced to sell the team. But what I don't understand is how if this actually affects the on-field product and there's a punishment to Michael Bidwill as an individual that hurts the team's chances to win, you as a season ticket holder have a right to be irate at this scheme. And, and at every level, if you think, Doug, I don't really care that he tried to cheat and had a burner phone. I think a lot of other teams do burner phone. Okay, doesn't it concern you he wasn't good enough to be able to hide it? as other teams do, okay? If you don't have the problem with the cheating, then you at least should have a problem with the fact that he got caught. If you do have a problem with the cheating, well, that's your owner. Number two, going through this process to have the arrogance to not look at the situation and say, wow, Terry McDonough's got a case here. We need to do what needs to be done to make this go away. And I just mean that as in make the buyouts, have the conversation, Or admit your guilt from the beginning, and then the punishment would have been a lot less. Now we're going through this whole arbitration case after you've defamed your your former employee? And I would have to imagine, when you combine that with something that's totally unrelated— the survey done by players about just how backwards the Cardinals organization is under Michael Bidwell. How much longer can the rest of the Bidwell family look at Michael Bidwell and say, you're good at your job. You help us win. I, this to me, I, I'm going to reserve my final opinion until after the actual case comes out. And since it's arbitration, we might not find out everything. I don't know. It'll become my job in order to, uh, I, to continue to report on this, considering the fact it's sad, but the rest of the media is clearly scared about this topic, and they don't report on it. So I'll consider it my job to try to get a handle on the final verdict, try to get a handle on the report, try to see what actually happens at the end of this arbitration. But as it looks right now, when I judge based on the integrity of Steve Wilkes, the report of ESPN on what Steve Wilkes said, on top of the things I know from Terry McDonough that I was told, I'm going to ballpark it, I don't remember, but about nine months ago, before everything got rolling, the things I know from Ron Miniger, the former COO of the team, before he suddenly said, Sorry, I can't talk anymore, which totally makes me speculate. He was deposed and he was a witness in the case very late in the process. When I look at the things I know, it's an easy leap to me to say any normal arbitrator, if they have any unbiasedness and fairness in their soul at all, this isn't going to look good for the Cardinals. So if you're with me in making that leap, and please understand when you're making that leap, I could be wrong. Okay, let's, you know... I, I I it's not like the Cardinals want to talk to me about this. So I don't have both sides of the story other than the Jim McCarthy statement, which again pushed pushed me in the beginning to the other side. I have to ask the question, why in the world should any of us believe in the Arizona Cardinals moving forward as long as Michael Bidwell's running the team? I'm not saying he shouldn't own it. But choose the president and back away. Let somebody else actually run the organization. Then you add to that the statistic that Ron Miniger told us that the team was a, had a better winning percentage as the St. Louis Cardinals than they do as the Glendale Cardinals. I thought our taxpayer dollars was going to that stadium to help them become a competitive team consistently. Yes, we did get to a Super Bowl, and that was fun. Okay? That was cool. But would you say... The stadium in Glendale was worth it if you're only looking at it through the prism of the Cardinals competing. Overall, I need to be completely honest with you, and a lot of you might disagree with me on this. When you have a community like this, with weather like this, hotels like this, golf courses like this, I am one that I do believe in tax dollars for arenas and stadiums. And I know a lot of you will vehemently disagree with that, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with having a public discourse in which we talk about it. I just think it's fair that you know how I feel. I believe the stadium in Glendale has generated more money than it cost us. When you look at Super Bowls, when you look at the upcoming Final Four, when you look at the events that are held out there, I think that's worth it. I think the economic impact is dramatically greater because we built it than it would be if we did not. So that's why I'm in favor of it. But I understand you could produce a lot of studies that you would say, I'm wrong. That people would be traveling to the Valley anyway. Because it's the Valley. We can have that conversation sometime if you want. That's my opinion on it. So I'm glad that we built the stadium. But if we're only looking at it through the prism of the Cardinals, the St. Louis Cardinals were better than the Glendale Cardinals. That only brings up an ownership question of who's actually running the franchise. And now that we see... Really detailed results of what happens in that building, the way people are treated in that building, and this. I mean, it was just, I I thought about a lot of the things I said on yesterday's show about the speculation of, wait, if this is true, then this leads me here, then this leads me here. I'm kind of a flow chart thinker, you know, put a bunch of things into a strainer, and then, oh, wait a minute, this is the only thing that could come out over here, well, If that's true, then this is true, then this is true. And you just keep following down a line. And all of a sudden I realize, wait a minute. Michael Bidwell should own the Cardinals, but why should he be president? Why not name somebody else? Step down if this is true. And if the arbitration process is fair and the the Cardinals win, then I need to backtrack. But I can't wait to see the actual depositions, the actual things witnesses said. And to be able to judge for myself, was it fair? And if it was fair, and it comes back against the Arizona Cardinals, and it makes it harder for the Cardinals to win, you add this case onto the ridiculous situation of the Jonathan Gannon hire and the way they went about it, and having to swap a draft pick and alienating the Eagles, and you put that on the stories of the NFL Players Association uh, voting, voting the Arizona Cardinals as a terribly backwards organization. I know that wasn't the vote. Hey, who's the most backwards organization? But it was all the things that they voted the Arizona Cardinals to be below 25th place in. So many different categories. That's not because you've got dumb trainers, bad chefs, bad this, bad that. That's that's an ownership of how far am I willing to go to win? And it seems painfully apparent that shortcuts he'll go as far as he needs to go to win. But actual on field investing into the product to the level that this fan base deserves, so far it hasn't been there. And that's Doug's big one. All right, coming up next. Gonna talk about the Cardinals on the field, not the Cardinals off the field can't wait to talk to you uh, about hearing how fired up Andre Turney was yesterday. And that will only take two minutes. And, of course, it's Town Hall Tuesday. Get jacked up about that. I almost feel like it's Beer Tuesday as well. <laughs> Uh, Coming up next, let's talk Cardinals on the field. My name is Doug Franz. Thanks for watching Doug Franz Unplugged. Part of six hours of local sports programming here on WTSMTV.com. And by the way, if you didn't know, go play golf at Whirlwind.
3: This
4: room that we're in right now is called the Roadrunner Room, and it is our private event space. It's 1,200 square feet and accommodates up to 80 seated, about 120 standing mingling. We have comedy night in here on Friday nights, and we've had board meetings, luncheons for ASU. We've had city council member, the mayor's been in here, Mayor Corey Woods. We have cornhole in here, so whatever really you want the space, we'll, we'll set it up for you.
0: 100 Mile Brewing Company. Fresh it never gets old. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker and Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker and Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle-quality water from a tap, and then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 6022-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. done with what I was doing sorry about that hi Tuesday already I don't know if anybody's ever said that because it's not like you've you've only had one day I admit I I've got to stay focused because uh, with intern McKenna home from school for Christmas I'm just it was so cool to just sit up and watch football with her last night when I haven't seen her in forever. Um, just love being around her and, uh, and talking sports and having a good time. And, yes, she lost in darts, if you're wondering. We always play best two out of three, and she actually beat me in game one. And that al- alone was a little frustrating. Whooped her in game two. And I'm sure you don't care, but you have to know. I have a points lead, but no bullseyes. She has everything full. We're playing cricket. She has everything full, but is pretty bad in points. And I step up. Boom, boom, boom. Three bulls, game's over, one turn. Yeah. Now, come on. Come, that was the first time in my life I've ever done that. Where I, I've had black-red on one turn to get three bullseyes, but I've never had three reds and fit them all in at one time. I was jacked up. So
4: I had to rub it into her uh, like crazy. Do you like darts, Jeff Weaver Production? I do. I haven't played in a long time, but uh, I used to be pretty decent. Oh! oh. Do you Uh, play with a cork board? uh, You said you played with the... It's
0: more... I mean, it's probably considered t- – I mean, it's it's kind of more spongy than cork, to be honest. But it's certainly not plastic. No way. Oh, okay.
4: Yeah, come on. That's beneath me. With the little holes in it. Nah,
0: yeah, I like no. That. I mean, of course, if I'm at a bar, you're at a bar. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. I mean, I don't want uh, – I would be nervous to be at a bar unless I was at a bar that's four dart players. I wouldn't want to be at a dart, uh, at a bar and have, you know, steel tip. <laughs> I just don't trust everybody else walking around. And then uh, the the post game party for the rattlers, they had one dartboard, it kind of was it was a weird hack. They had one dartboard that was free on one end of the bar. And it was almost like we're keeping this one free because waiters, servers, waitresses are always gonna be walking in your way. So that's the trade off. You gotta deal with people being in the way, but we'll let you have it free. But then there was another one. That was pay-for darts. And yet that one, it was behind... The dartboard was actually behind a support pole. And oh my gosh, people all the time would come around the support pole not paying attention and seriously walk right in between you as you're getting ready to throw. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, like, usually they would freak out and almost drop to a knee in fear and apologize like crazy. But about once a night... Somebody would glare at you as they walk through like how dare you even act like you're going to throw. I'm already thin here to throw. <laughs> you know? God, it was it was not a fan of uh, of some of those people. Uh let's start with Cardinals here. Uh on-field Cardinals. Jonathan Gannon, uh this is funny. Yesterday I walked into CEO Chris's office and I had something to say and he goes, "Oh, you Everything, everything, okay. And he just, like, freezes and looks at me. Like, what? He goes, are, are you feeling a lot better? And I said, yeah, yeah, feeling a lot better. And he goes, good, because, man, last week, last week, wow, you, you just looked like, you know, like, that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Guess what? I got news for you. I'm always ugly. It doesn't It's not just because I'm sick. And he drops that nugget on me. I feel the same way. Watching the Jonathan Gannon uh, press conference. Remember, I'm not invited to press conferences. Watching the Jonathan Gannon, the first thing I thought is, man, you look a heck of a lot better. What do you mean? How did I look like? You looked like. last. I mean, this is a a franchise, obviously, that it went through all of training camp and then, what, 13 weeks of football without a break. And he just seemed better. And then see if you notice it, too, because he was asked, hey, how was your break? What did
3: you do? Yeah, it's a long, we've been at it for a long time. So, um, you know, I I know they uh, had a little pep in their step. They already lifted their meetings right now. We'll get out there today um, and kind of have a bonus day today. Uh, go good on good and then we'll normal week as we get going forth but i know that they uh they they needed the break and it was it was obviously later than normal um but pros and cons of having your break where it's at right now but uh, got some guys healthy hopefully turn in the corner a couple guys and uh, get out there and practice
0: i I don't know. Like, could
4: you tell? I don't know, Jeffrey Production. Could you just tell just from that little clip right there? I could. But okay. what does he mean when he says "good on good"? What does that mean? That is a football term. Normally, I.
0: It's kind of funny. I can't believe I've never heard that term for other sports. We just say it for football, but good on good means our ones versus our ones. We practice in which it's our best offense against our best defense. Normally, you don't really do that. You'll have your offense go up against the scout team. Your defense goes up against the scout team, and you're just having players not run the playbook of their own plays players are expected to learn now when I say learn you get a flip card in front of you before you start running the play and it is a play that's run by the other team so if you ever go to an NFL practice a college practice and I'm assuming high schools do it too in which you'll see a whole team of 11 guys looking up at a coach and a coach is standing by the ball holding up a big card and he's just pointing out you go here you go here you go here okay break and then the scout team is in charge of running that play and running it a similar way to what, in this sense for the Cardinals, the 49ers run it. That way, the players get to know, okay, I see this formation. This route tree is coming. These route concepts are associated with it. Here's what's called the look. So that's against the practice squad. That's against um, the card head and, and, uh, and the practice squad team. That's different than, hey... The Cardinals' number 1 defense is going to do their thing, and the Cardinals' number 1 offense is going to do their thing, and we'll see who wins good on good. Now, you don't actually tackle except for maybe one live drill in preseason. But does that make sense that you're going up against the best uh, that your team has?
4: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Okay. So, that that one, just listening to him, who knows? You might see a better team. Now, the 49ers are fire, so other than they had like a two- or three-game stretch where all of a sudden – I don't want to say they played like crap, but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they started playing average. Just boom. It just came out of nowhere. They're back. Uh, 49ers look fantastic, so it's going to be tough. This is one that there's kind of – it's almost a two-tiered question that's kind of funny. Paul Calvisi asked um, the head coach, Jonathan Gannon. He started the question by saying, you know, Kyler recently told us that His last game was his fourth game. It was like his last preseason game. Then Paul goes into what do you want to see him do through the final four games? What do you want to – what's the key for his improvement? Something like that. Well, the first thing Jonathan Gannon says is he goes back to the opening comment from Paul saying that the quarterback told us – this is a situation where, hey, I've had four preseason games. This was, That was my ramp up. That was my preseason.
3: Tell him the ones that he's been playing in these count. Um, he, he knows that. <laughs> um, Yeah, Paul, I I think just if you, if you, he'll he'll tell you, you know, operationally, make sure we're doing a good job in and out of the huddle, getting guys, you know, situated, getting us in the right checks and calls and then playing at a high level, which he's done. So I'm excited for him for this week to go against a really good football team at home, um, see if we can put our best foot forward. I thought. Uh, What did you think? You know, maybe you didn't think of it the same way
0: I did, but I found it it very interesting that I think he's just screwing around. And then after he said it, he's thinking, "Uh uh-oh, I probably should have said that because someone's going to take me seriously and some Yahoo like Doug is going to try to make it out to be something else. But it was just funny. He goes, well, tell them that those games count. (laughs) And... Even though he's joking, I admit I'm not. I never liked that phrase from Kyler Murray that, hey, this is like my preseason. Because, no, it's not. You're in the regular season. And you can say that all you want, but your preseason was all the ramp up. Are you not ready to play in the NFL? Did you not learn the offense well enough? It's almost like he wanted that ready-made excuse. And I tell you what. I'm not going to say everybody in that locker room, but I guarantee you, you could find guys in that locker room that somewhat accept what he said for game one. But after that, they don't want to hear that you think it's your preseason. Win the game. I'm not here to just sit around. Win the game. And so I bet you there's some guys that didn't love that phrase, and I found that part interesting. Now, the second part of it is – what has he improved on? And I think this is really important. Jonathan Gannon went into, hey, you know, just continually getting out of the huddle correctly. The mechanics of the huddle, the mechanics of the play call, getting us into the right play, checking to the right play, things like that. I want you to really just let, just absorb that for a second. Kyler Murray is so far underdeveloped mentally due to something that's not his fault, okay? Not his fault at all. But he ran a high school offense in, in, in high school, which is the same offense he ran in college, basically, which is the same offense he ran in the NFL, basically. It's not very complex at all. And it's 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 old air raid principles, not advanced, and was never really challenged mentally at all. Now you have an actual NFL offense that he's got to do. So when I hear Jonathan Gannon say, think about how low that bar is. I mean, imagine... A head coach ever saying, you know, what do you want to see from Dan Marino? I just want to see the mechanics of the huddle. Just getting out of the huddle, getting the right play, checking to the right play. Did you ever hear that about Peyton Manning? Was Tom Brady ever, hey, just get out of the huddle well, you know, blah, blah, blah. Isn't that, I mean, can you see that that's where we have to start? With Kyler Murray. This is for once, you know, I'm not blasting Kyler Murray when I say this. I'm just explaining how little he has been prepared for this until Drew Petsing and Jonathan Gannon took over. So that's where the bar is. Number two, I think it's a really great lesson about football when you hear him say checking to the right play. This is really important. How often have you heard, like, a, like if you ever go to a game and you hear a fan behind you complaining about play calling, okay? And then they almost always, listen, hey, I do it too sometimes, so I, I'm not blasting anybody, but they always go after the offensive coordinator or if it's an offensive head coach like I do with Cliff Kingsbury, you go after Cliff Kingsbury. It's not always their fault. When you hear him say, check into the right play, a lot of times, it's the offensive coordinator calls play A. So, we're, and they don't really say play A; it has a name. But you call the play. Then, as you go to the line of scrimmage, you're looking at the defense, and they might have the exact defense in that creates massive problems for the specific play. So then the quarterback needs to be checking, either checking the direction, and maybe you run the play the opposite way, or maybe against that defense, they already have it set up. It's already been talked about during practice and during the meetings that if you get this look, we're going to check into this play. And they have different plays that they're going to check to depending on what the defense shows. We know as an offensive staff – at some point, they're going to give you this look. When they do, we're going to hit them with this. Well, obviously, the defense doesn't make it easy. They don't walk out there with a sign that says, we're in this look, okay? This, we're actually showing you this formation or this coverage, but as soon as you snap it, we're going to change to this. You know, they don't tell you, but it's the quarterback's job to be able to see through the smoke and figure it out. So if the offensive coordinator has said all week, no matter what I call, if they do this, we're doing this. You go to the line of scrimmage with a play in your mind that you've just called in the huddle. You look at the defense, and it doesn't trigger. I'm supposed to check into something else. Now you run the play that even the offensive coordinator knows is not going to work. That's why we prepared to not do anything against that look. We're going to do anything. The other thing against that look, and the quarterback doesn't check into it, play gets blown up, and the drunk guy behind you starts yelling at Drew Petsy, what was that? Why did we run that? And they start going crazy. It was the quarterback's job to check out of it. You have to be able to trust the quarterback to do that. So when you hear Jonathan Gannon say, this is how I'm evaluating Kyler Murray, that shows you he's still not quite there. Personally for me, I admit I have no idea what's a fair criticism right now. None. I don't. When you have a quarterback that's been running such a basic offense for his life, has never been challenged, now he's out there on the field and he's not seeing the checks. Or we're at least at the point now, granted, I want you to I want you to be or I want to be fair, Jonathan Gannon says, you know, he's doing a good job of that is how he ended the quote. I just happen to disagree with that. I don't think he is, but I, I'm not saying Jonathan Gannon's a liar. Maybe he's telling you the cold, hard truth. But name a coach in a press conference that would say if the opposite was true. Would he really sit there and say, actually, I want to see Kyler start getting the checks right. Too often, he's coming to the line of scrimmage with an option of two plays, and he's choosing the wrong one. So I just want to see him start getting stuff right. I mean, who says that as a coach? You're not going to let the other team know your confusing looks are working. You're not going to let fans know that your quarterback's confused. So a coach is either going to lie or miss, kind of spin the question a little bit. But... Again, when's the last time you heard a coach talk about Pey- his, his own coach talk about Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, the greats of the game, and say, you know, right now we need Kurt Warner. We just want to see him keep continually improve, getting out of the huddle, checking in, get, checking into the right play, getting the right call, getting us into the look that we want, things like that. That's pretty basic stuff. So that's the evaluation for the final four games. Kyler Murray is still battling it out with 2024 quarterbacks i just saw a mock draft the other day three quarterbacks in the top nine picks according to a mock draft now let's be you know real here (laughs) has a mock draft ever once been remotely close you know no they're not remotely close but i do believe this is going to be a quarterback heavy draft because there's a lot of quarterbacks who are I would say above average. I don't I don't look at anybody and I might be eating these words later on especially when you see what Brock Purdy has done in life. Uh, I don't see somebody that I totally consider elite. I think Caleb Williams is the best, but man, like I usually don't say fumble scare me, but gosh, it's easy to get him to fumble. I mean, it's really easy to get him to fumble. And other people say, "No, you can coach that out of him." Can you? I mean, I remember the turnovers of uh, – I, I am somebody that I did not like Jameis Winston coming out of college. Everybody like, oh, Winston or Marcus Mariota, and I, my argument was neither of them. I don't want either guy. I see all the skill set of Jameis Winston, but if he's a turnover machine in college at times, why do I want to trust him in the pros when the defenses get even harder? And I have that same fear of Caleb Williams where I love the skill set But like, gosh, at what point do you watch the tape and quit erasing the turnovers from your head? You as a Cardinals fan, whether you love Kyler, whether you can't stand Kyler, if you're a Cardinals fan, you've got to be on the page that you need Kyler to be the guy. The dramatic difference between having two first-round picks and a good general manager with a quarterback to build around and getting a Marvin Harrison, getting either a tackle a center in the second or third round, something like that. Desperate need at cornerback. Uh, I would really like to see um, – I'd love to see a Quinn and Williams type of nose tackle that you could draft. I like Alt as my favorite offensive tackle. A lot of people disagree with me, and they want the kid out of Penn State. But we, we, we can discuss the draft all day long, okay? But the idea of needing a quarterback with that number one, two, three pick, whatever it's going to fall right now, it's number three behind Bears and uh, Bears. The Bears have the Panthers first round pick (laughs) and their own. Gosh, is that crazy? But you've got right now it goes Bears and then uh, Patriots and then Cardinals. You draft Marvin Harrison Jr., and you're going to be able to get other players and build around Kyler, that sets you forward. If you've got to draft a quarterback in 2024, that sets you back two years, plus the salary cap ramifications of trading Kyler, which is what you'd probably have to do. That's tough, unless you're actually willing to have a a number one, like a number three draft pick at, at quarterback sit the bench for a year under Kyler and let them battle it out in practice. Maybe that'll change everything. I don't know. But you got to be rooting hard for Kyler Murray, the way it sets up the team. But it's interesting to listen to JG right there uh, say that. Last one from Jonathan Gannon is just uh, a little bit of James Conner. I, I like this question. It was from the in-house paid-for media, asked nice questions. But it was, Jonathan Gannon, what do you look at James Conner? Because you he carried the ball against Pittsburgh more times than basically he has as a Cardinal? Is that, hey, it's because it's Pittsburgh and he's going home? Is it the matchups and the looks you were getting? Uh, Are you monitoring how much James Conner's getting the ball?
3: Yeah, no, he's definitely a high volume guy. Um, You know, I think he finished the game though that pushed the numbers way up in the kind of the four minute there. Um, but yeah, I'm, you know, we're always aware of number of plays, number of touches, um, how the game's going to go, things like that. And sometimes where the score and the time in the game dictates some of that too, you know what I mean? So, but if you give him 50 touches, he'll say, I'm good to go. So, um, that's cool to have that, but, um, yeah, we're always aware of, you know, play times and, Um, touches and things like that but understand that he's one of our high producers on offense and we're going to use him accordingly.
0: Isn't it amazing how the game's changed that the number of carries he got is not even equal to the stuff of when we grew up, how many carries players get, and yet we're all worried about, oh, no, that's heavy usage. But they sub so much more on the defensive side of the ball that you've got to have a fresh running back. I think when James Conner's running the ball that well, don't overcoach it, don't overthink it. The immortal words of the great American philosopher Bruce Arians, Are you worried about how many carries David Johnson is getting? No, the ball's not heavy. (laughs) It's just like perfect. Exactly. Exactly. Give the ball to James Conner. You're a better team when you give the ball to James Conner and there's the threat of the boot or waggle on the backside with Kyler Murray. That's when there's that's when that offense is humming. It still makes me wonder about Kyler. Is he stopping the running game? Is he putting the kebabs on his own running game or is somebody else? Because it never made sense to me when you're not using his legs as a weapon. Never made sense to me. And when I say that, I don't mean him just scrambling out of trouble. I mean the designed quarterback runs. Are they being called and he's checking out of it because he doesn't want to do it? Is he arguing all week long? saying, I don't want that, I don't want that against this team because he doesn't want to get a hit? Or is it back-to-back coaches, Cliff Kingsbury and Drew Petzing, that don't want to call it because they're afraid to get him banged up? Is it actually ownership? I don't want to blame Michael Bidwell, but I always thought that Steve Kime got a little nervous as the general manager. You know, say, ah, well, let's not run him too much. I don't want to get my prize package hurt. Well, Guess what? He'll hurt you if you don't. Meaning you're not winning very many games. And we've all heard the stat: when he runs the ball ten times, they've got like a six hundred six eighty winning percentage or whatever it is. If you're not using the weapon, then it's probably time to get a new weapon. Um, do I? You know what? Let's do this now. I, I was. Uh, oh no, I forgot about having Trey McBride. So let's stay on Cardinals. Uh, this is something. That I just thought you might find interesting. Let's go in reverse order, if you could, Jeff Weir Production. Let's go 2-1. Speaking of Kyler Murray, I, I, I like this. I like this conversation. I was critical of Kyler before, but now I want to be really encouraging. Uh, Trey McBride had a media opportunity. And Trey was asked about developing chemistry and then specifically about the either interceptions or near interceptions that have happened a couple times when Trey McBride is targeted and how that happens. Do you guys how, what do you guys do during the week to work on that?
1: Yeah, a lot of it's uh, that's just me and him having that relationship. You know, he wanted me to sit. Uh, the route is for me to stay on the on the move. But Kyler wanted me to sit because of the zone that he saw. And I saw that, too. But, you know, my routes tell me to to run. So he's like, oh, uh, we're kind of in a pickle. But now now that we're kind of uh, have that relationship, I kind of know what he's thinking. He kind of knows what I'm thinking. And, and, and we're more on the same page. So that just comes with time playing with each other, um, things like that. Um, the relationship we have, things like that. So the more and more we play with each other, the more I'm going to know where he's going to put the ball, where I'm going to be sitting, things like that. And um, I think the longer we play with each other, we'll continue to develop that.
0: Um, That was the reason why I wanted to play that for you. That was so confusing to me. I mean, staring down Drew Petzing for a second. You heard Trey McBride say, that play, I am suppo- according to the route, I'm supposed to keep going. So in a sense, I did the right thing. I saw that it was a zone, but I kept going because that's what I'm supposed to do. Kyler wanted me to sit down because it was a zone. And I didn't. And now there's confusion, and now our relationship's stronger. I know what he wants from me, blah, blah, blah. Quick explanation. It's really simple. Okay, if Jeff Weir production is standing well here, well I'll I'll use Larry and Senator McCain. Larry's a receiver, and Senator McCain's in a zone defense. Why would Larry want to keep running his route into Senator McCain, and then you're running into a space that's covered, and now Senator McCain can step right up and get the interception. So sitting down the route against his own defenses, here's Senator McCain's zone. Larry, just stop right here, and we'll throw it to you right here. Now you get the ball, and that's called sitting down. If it's man-to-man, Senator McCain's with Larry Fitzgerald. So now that he's with Fitz, well, the route is keep going. And then now you've got to step on Senator McCain. You can keep running, and you get what's called yak, yards after the catch if you hit him in stride. So that's common in football. Like, everybody knows that. Well, what makes me confused is why would Trey McBride keep running into or towards a zone that he sees? Why did he say, that's what I'm supposed to do? Because it's been a week since that play. If it's been a week since that play, and he didn't correct himself. He didn't say, "You know what? I was supposed to sit that down. It was a zone. I'm better at seeing it whatever." He still says, "Yes, it's a zone, but I was supposed to keep going." I look at that and I look at Drew Petzing, "What? It maybe there's another route coming underneath that you're supposed to bring the eyes of that linebacker with you so even though that's his zone he's gonna now take a step or two with you as you keep going and then somebody else comes up underneath that now the linebacker's got you flooded the same zone he's now confused and maybe kyler is telling trey mcbride hey, it was already late in the play I am scrambling. I'm no longer using you to flood the zone, confuse the linebacker, and vacate the area. I've got to get rid of the ball late in the play. So from that point now, the rules of the play have broken down. Now let's go back to basic backyard football. Don't run into a zone. I'm hoping that's what it was. But it's interesting that we're still at that point where those two hadn't run into that situation. And obviously, Drew Petzing agrees with it, or you wouldn't have had Trey McBride say what he said. I just thought that was deep. And that shows you all the complexities of here's the rule, here's the route, but not in this situation, here's this. And that's how sometimes interceptions happen. Because some guy says this is a rule-breaking moment, and the other guy says it's not. Or some receiver says, yes, I'm, I know I'm supposed to run a deep in, but did you see how far that safety came up? I had the cornerback beat, so I turned it into a deep post. Now I'm running deep, and the quarterback's thinking you're running a deep in, you're running a deep in. I'm going to throw it where you were supposed to be. And the is saying, yeah, I know the rule, but can't you see how open I was? You should adjust. We should always read um, high to low. I've got the deep high. Let's go. Let's go and get the touchdown. But if you're not on the same page with the guy, boom, interception quarterback looks dumb and then everybody looks at you for running the wrong route or you're selfish because you wanted to go deep when you weren't supposed to. Those are all things that go into it's what makes football incredible to me. It's seriously chess with 300 pound pieces. And hopefully when I start rolling that way, you enjoy it. Last one on the Cardinals is Trey McBride just being asked about his first down signal and being crazy and how jacked up he gets. And I think this is just one of those sound quotes that makes you really happy if you're a Cardinals fan that Trey McBride's on your team.
1: Yeah, I'm just an animated player. I'm an emotional guy. I love this game. And, And when I'm out there, you know, I make a big play. Sometimes I can't control myself. I just freaking geek out. I don't know what the heck. I just go crazy sometimes. So uh, I don't know what goes on in my head. Sometimes I just start going crazy. Even Kyler's like, dude, you got to chill out. So, you know, he's telling me in the huddle, like, Trey, come on, man, settle down. But uh, I just love having fun, man. And and when I'm out there making plays, energy, you know, that juice, I, I, you know, some of the guys tell me how how fired up they get seeing me like that. So as long as I can bring other guys with me, get everyone pumped up, that's my main job. You know, I just want to have fun out there, you know, and having fun is, is making big plays like that.
0: That's fun to me. That, that, that is. And that's that infectious spirit that I, I hope he never loses. Kyler, don't tell him to calm down. Unless that passion fire leads to penalties or too much energy where he's dropping balls, he's not focused, he's, he's not engaged because he starts to go on overload. If you're sensing that, that's good leadership. But I don't think Trey, Trey McBride has that problem. Right. I hope you were okay with about an hour and 10 minutes of Cardinals, but I don't want to talk about Shohei Otani's contract because that just makes me mad. <laughs> so there you go. All right. Coming up next. Just give me two minutes and I think you'll love talking a little coyotes just for a couple minutes because of what Andre Turney did yesterday. Don't change the subject. We didn't do the basics. And then it's time for Town Hall Tuesday. This is Doug Franz Unplugged presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. On WTSMTV.com.
3: It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. If you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day, still get your burrito at Burrito
4: Express. It will make you feel better.
5: Burrito Express started with my father about... 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally, we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area. Literally, started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, "Let's do this." Went and found his first location, and believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're we are now.
0: So in cheating to look it up, to be sure right now, it's I want to see the coyote schedule to make sure I was right in what I said before. And yes, I was three game losing streak, five game winning streak, three game losing streak. Not good. Not good right now for the coyotes to basically give away that hot streak by having six games of losses surround, sandwiched around the five-game winning streak. They're in Pittsburgh tonight, face off five o'clock, always tough. hockey players, three games, four nights with a lot of injuries on the back end of a back-to-back. Doesn't look good against the uh, Penguins tonight. And I bring that up. Because of the comments of Andre Turini last night, the head coach, I realize he's, he's from Quebec, so you have the thick accent because he grew up speaking French. And, and sometimes it's not always easy to understand, but I think this one's pretty easy to understand. It's only a two-minute press conference. If you didn't see the game, Vemelka got the start. Connor Ingram's on fire, but since it's a back-to-back and it's three games and four nights, use your backup goalie now and have Connor Ingram do the, the game two nights ago in Boston. Did I say Boston again? I might have said Boston again. They lost to Buffalo last night, and I keep saying Boston because they played Boston beforehand, and I guess I'm too stupid to be able to figure out two days later you're allowed to get to a new city. But, but they lost to Boston, had the day off, lost to Buffalo. Boston was, was Connor Ingram. Now Buffalo, that was uh, Vibelka, and now they're going to go back to Connor Ingram coming up tonight. In, uh, on the road in Pittsburgh. So they need to be able to get a win, but it's going to be hard, and they've got a lot of injuries. Well, Todd Walsh starts off the conversation. Other media members jump in afterwards, but he does it for television first. And what I loved about this press conference, no matter how many times Todd Walsh tried to give him another reason why the Coyotes might be struggling or why things might be hard, all Turini wanted to do, no matter where Todd went, was go back to make a pass. I mean, it was—it was like, well, what about? Well, no, listen, listen. Get the puck from one stick to another. Yeah, but you have this basic hockey. Just make the basic play. Get the ball. Get the get the ball. Get the puck from your stick to that guy's stick. We'll have the injuries. Get the puck from your stick to that guy's stick. When you break it down like that, I think it's awesome because you're no longer saying we're not talented or we don't have this. You're NHL players. You can at least do this. And that was his point. And if he's willing to drive it home like that outside the dressing room, guess what he's willing to do if he's inside the room talking to the guys?
2: about how you wanted to see your team play in front of Carell tonight. What, what was missing here?
0: Well, we couldn't make a play.
2: Our execution was, wasn't was there. We couldn't could execute. We had opportunity, and then when you don't execute, you don't pass the puck, then I think we defend fairly well, considering we didn't have the puck or we couldn't make a play with the puck. We actually created a good number of turnovers and. We were on the right side of the park but we could we had nothing with the park. That first period. Obviously chasing so early, how difficult was that in, in this building against them? It it's not the point. The point is we couldn't make a play. Okay. We could play in the in the outside ring if you want. If you okay. if you don't make play you don't you don't you don't create anything. About Carell's performance here tonight, did he find his legs at all? Yeah, I think you know he had uh, like I like we uh, we said before the game, he didn't play for a long time, so I think he got better during the game. I think yeah, at the end of the game he was solid, so. Uh, that's uh, that's as expected when you don't play a lot. So it will be better when you... Uh, this week. I know you are not one to offer excuses, but you've got some big-time injuries with some guys that play heavy minutes down the middle and also without Sean Dursey again tonight. Is it starting to add up, you think? That doesn't, that's not an excuse. We didn't make a play. Okay. We There's no nothing else to say about that game. We did not make passes. Every pass was behind, was on a was off was over our, the stick so you cannot play honky in that leg if you don't have the skill to make plays as a coach then with a the back-to-back no rest for the weary Exactly. Tomorrow, you tell me what you want to say. That's the best thing can happen to us, so we can move on and just go on. And Pittsburgh's a really good team. who play really well and didn't get the, the result they want since the start of the season. But if you look their underlying numbers, they're pretty good. So uh, we know they, um, they're they pretty stingy defensively. They create a lot of offense. So that, for us, will be an opportunity to have urgency and to, to show our character tomorrow.
0: Maybe you didn't like that as much as I did. I loved it. Just... Well, what about how hard it is to play in Buffalo? Well, we we didn't make a play. You got to make a pass. It doesn't matter if we're playing outside. You got to make a pass. Okay. What about the – what about Vamelka? Well, yeah, he got his legs. He hasn't played in a while, but we got to make a play. Well, you know, you've got a lot of injuries. That's not an excuse. It doesn't matter who's hurt. You got to make a play. Just make a pass. Uh, Again, it wasn't like he was yelling and screaming about it, but just to be that consistent on point, on message. Uh, And by the way, if you watch the game, it was true. It was true. It was crazy. Just simply like they would play decent defense and block a shot, get the puck, have a chance to clear the puck to somebody and boom, turnover, boom, take a hit, lose the puck, boom, bad pass. And I don't know how often we ever say this. Clayton Keller was terrible last night Terrible! I bet he's going to have a good game tonight. For a player of his skill, when they have a bad game, I I haven't looked at. uh, Maybe I should look at this for versus Vegas player props. But if there's a Clayton Keller score a goal player prop, I think I'm jumping on it today because uh, he was so bad. I think he's going to know I need to be aggressive tonight. All right, here's what I love. Why do I say all right every time? Um, Now I got to focus. It's time for Town Hall Tuesday.
1: Hear ye. Hear ye. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. It's time to call a town hall meeting.
0: Every time you're struggling, just bail in talk radio or talk or podcasting or t- I guess in talk TV shows. Just bail. Just get out. And let somebody else do something. Hit the sounder. Doug at Doug to email me and be a part of Town Hall Tuesday at unplug doug on x to send me a note and post it and you're on town hall tuesday or you can send me a message or post something to me and tag me on instagram that is at unplug doug and then i kind of edit things up sends it over to jeff weir production he reads what we have time for
4: jeff let's do it all right we'll get started with the first one this is from looks like it's from mike okay it says, "Do we really think the state of California is going to be okay with ninety-seven percent of Shohei Otani's salary being deferred until after he potentially leaves California or even the country mm. when the contract runs out?" Okay. On the Cardinals' arbitration. Actually,
0: let me stop you. Let me just answer that one. Okay. I am not the person to ask that question to. I know zero about taxes other than if you live in Texas, if you live in Tennessee, if you live in Florida, and if you live in Washington, and I think that's it. There might be more. There are no state income taxes. And if you live in Alaska, you actually get paid to live there because you don't pay state taxes and you share in the oil revenue, but you have to live there for like two years before they give you your share. So, I, California and New York, I believe, fight it out every year to have the worst tax laws for businesses and people. I don't know enough that what happens of why should he have to pay taxes on money he's not getting paid yet. And when he does get paid, if he's back in Japan, he's not making that in the state of California. I, I don't know enough about that. I can understand the argument, but I don't know enough
4: about it. Anyway, keep going. All right. On the Cardinals' arbitration, can Terry McDonough's team subpoena current or former Cardinals employees for the case. If it were a civil case, no doubt they can. So if they can't in an arbitration case, how can the truth be arrived at? It was great to see so many people at Bell's on Saturday, saw a lot of old friends and made a lot of new ones. See you Friday, Mike.
0: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Mike. Well, I'll see you Friday, too. Thanks for all your work on the cake. Um, the arbitration question... I believe you can ask people to testify, but you can't subpoena them under court of law to get them to testify, and then you're, you're guilty of contempt if you refuse to testify a direct order from the court. So you can ask anybody to testify. Now, you have the right to cross anybody that the other side puts on the stand. So that's the case. And normally you're going to be able to do whatever you want, because think about it. I think what this is in reference to, if you didn't hear yesterday's show, I mentioned the quandary that the Cardinals lawyer must have been in about using Steve Kime. Because on the one hand, if you put Steve and this is all speculation, I don't know what I'm talking about in this. Well, I'm not a lawyer either, but I don't know the particulars of who went to the stand um, and who was somebody that was actually up there being asked questions but I speculated in the sense that if you're the Cardinals the only person that's really qualified to say whether or not Terry McDonough's job performance slipped and deserved the pay cut or deserved the demotion or deserved the things that uh, Jim McCarthy accused him of doing in the uh, statement that was released by the Cardinals in their fake PR department. If that's the case, then what you're going to have to do with Terry McDonough is put Steve Keim on the stand so he can say all of the things. However, before the gag order was issued on Terry McDonough, when I started to hear these, uh, this arbitration case might be coming out, and I had reached out to Terry McDonough to get some information from him, and in reading the actual complaint that I got my hands on, that was this is what um, uh, uh, the Cardinals are being accused of in arbitration either in the notes from my conversations with Terry or in my notes from seeing that, and I can't remember which one, it says in there that there is an email or a letter or something or a recommendation, something from Steve Kime saying, Terry's doing good at his job. We need to give him a raise. So I was suggesting that there's no way the Cardinals were dumb enough to put Steve Kime on the stand. Like, like, there's no way, like, to me, and again, I don't know what I'm doing, but if I'm a de facto law and order TV watching lawyer, <laughs> and I know, don't be dumb enough to put Steve Kime on the stand. There's just no way to me Steve Kime was on the stand. Because of that, you can't have him on there saying, Terry's performance suffered. Then why did you say it was great? Uh, Terry's performance suffered. But if you don't put him on there, it's just Michael's word against Terry's that it suffered. Now... This is an area where they could get, Terry, and I don't know if they do this. Some teams have every scout, no matter what level you are, general manager, assistant general manager, scout, whatever, turn in who is your top 200 prospects. You tell me, who are the top 200 players in total ranking order for this year's draft? Now they have kind of a grading sheet. You can go back three years later and say, wow, do you realize how many guys this guy got right? Do you realize that? we we got to promote this guy. You know, things like that. I've heard rumors one of the big reasons why um, Steve Kime became more and more elevated was I believe the 07 draft when he stood on the table and said, do not take Levi Brown. That's not a good player. He's not worth that pick. We don't want him. We want to go in this direction. And I think he wanted Adrian Peterson. And either Ken Wisenhunt or um, or Rod Graves, I couldn't remember Rod's name for a second, Rod Graves, somebody said, no, Steve, we're going in this direction, taking Levi Brown. Well, Steve was obviously proven so right, you get elevated. So maybe they have some draft history on Terry that shows Terry's performance was slipping. But are you going to... Be able to use that without the general manager being on the stand? That's why it's so weird. So I think that's why Mike is bringing that up
4: of can you subpoena
0: anybody? And I think you can only ask. Long explanation. Hopefully you didn't mind that. Uh, What's next?
4: All right, the next one. Hi, Doug. I had a wonderful time on Saturday at the Unplugged Holiday event. Mm. As I told Jennifer when I met her, she inspires me. She, as you already know, has such a fantastic heart. It is hard being a female sports fan sometimes. And when I was out of my comfort zone, she made me feel so welcome. Oh. Thank you for sharing your family, life, and knowledge with us. We are lucky to have you. Oh my Merry goodness. Christmas, Annie. Uh Annie,
0: uh I don't know if Jennifer wants to be telling me this story, but as Jennifer learned very early in our marriage, every day a show prep. Um she I was, you know, I I hope I did a good job at that event because everyone there at the uh second annual Unplugged Army holiday event is so important to me, so I want to make sure everybody feels like You had good time spent with me. I know I had a great time spending it with you. But at the same time, I don't want to drive people nervous and hover over them because I want you to meet other people. But I don't want you to feel like I'm running around and doing like being a bad doctor. Just opening the door. How you feeling? How's this? How's the kids? Oh, great, man. I'm so glad to see you. Boom. And I'm out in 45 seconds. So hopefully you felt engaged. But Jennifer was talking on our way to mass the next Sunday morning about some of the beautiful things you said to her about Jen- about her being an inspiration. She has never lived her life in order to be an inspiration. And it was so cool to have you say that about someone like Jennifer, who I just totally adore the human being, let alone her being my wife. And she felt the same way about you, Annie. So yes, I'm glad that you reached back out. And uh, I know that you guys are going to be either drinking buddies, coffee buddies, card buddies. I, I don't know where... Where your interests lie but the the two of you are going to be fast friends what's
4: next all right the next one we've got is from uh general michael okay it says doug glad to hear saturday's event went well sorry i had to miss it our daughter was just born and needed to stay home to be extra present and helpful to everyone okay was holding out to hope to find a sliver of time to stop by but alas. all said merry christmas to you the family and everyone at wtsm and congrats on 500 episodes of Unplugged. Oh, wow. Thanks for the hard work and always putting yourself out in what you do. Wow. Uh, general Michael,
0: number one, just so everybody knows and we're clear, general status, and I don't know when um, your, uh, your daughter was born. There's a 24-hour rule, okay? 24-hour rule for you and the baby, 48-hour rule for mom, that if, if the baby is born within 24 hours of a sanctioned event, you don't have to come to the sanctioned event. But if it's 27 hours after, hey, let's go. Okay, the baby could come. She can handle country music, even though I don't like it either. But, you know, maybe she, she won't like country music, and that's a good thing if you bring her. So, that that's the rule. So, if you're saying the baby was born within 24 hours of the event, you keep your general status. You're on Scott Free, so don't worry about it. What's next?
4: All right, the next one I have is from... <laughs> Somebody's uh, going to believe me on that one. <laughs> Dustin and Pebble Creek. Okay. Mr. Doug, last night made me realize how much you love baseball. It's crazy love. Oh. That story about your honeymoon says says all about your love of baseball. I felt like I was having my own private in-person podcast. <laughs> like like said last night, over and over, you really are talented. Hmm.
0: Uh, Dustin, first of all, your shirt was fantastic. So whatever talents you see in me, I see in that shirt. I was very impressed with the shirt. Number two, thank you. Uh, number three, yeah, I, I think it's simply because... My dad would spend time with me no matter what. But baseball was just that connection of being a four, five, six, seven-year-old kid throwing with my dad. And then going to Cincinnati Reds games with my dad and thinking, and then especially as I got older and learned to respect it more, here is a guy that's working. He left for work at sometime like 6.30 in the morning is when he left, 6 in the morning, I don't remember. He, was, he always left before I ever got up or used to work nights. And, and then was still ready to go you know, for any father duties later on in the day that needed to be done despite working nights. He was even my basketball coach one year in the fifth grade while he was, maybe it's a sixth grade, while he was working nights. It was crazy. And yet, he still found time when he got home tired to not be tired and said, hey, you want to go to the Reds game? Or, he didn't say Reds game. He would just say, you want to go? That's all he'd say. And my brother and I, yeah. So, they'll suddenly work at the game. And then when I was a sophomore in college, I I still think he was crazy to do this. He calls me up and and he says, and remember, there's no cell phones. He calls me up and says, hey, do you want to go to the Baseball Hall of Fame this weekend? I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he goes, all right, hurry up and pack. And I said, okay. And I'm thinking, why do I need to hurry up and pack? It's a two and a half hour drive to get from my hometown to where the first Ohio University was. And he goes, we're in Athens. We'll be there in five minutes. He had already done the drive, knew I was going to say yes, and hurry up and pack. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm a college student. It's Friday. I ain't got clean clothes anywhere. Who knows what I wore? I don't even remember what I wore. And boom, now we're up in Cooperstown for the weekend. It was fantastic. Going to the Baseball Hall of Fame for like the third time in my life. Uh, I just, I loved every second of it. All right, what's next?
4: All right, Doug, the Saudis should start a female golf league. Oh, oh, that way, maybe women's rights over there would improve. Oh. As, a father of, as a father of two beautiful daughters, I'm always looking for society to improve. Wow. Cheers, Flagstaff Jamie.
0: Flagstaff Jamie, that's a pretty fantastic. What's amazing about that idea, it shows you how backward Saudi Arabia is as a country that they won't do that. Because I guarantee you they've thought of it. I guarantee you they know if we really want to whitewash sports wash the way the world feels about us and we want to try to disprove our beliefs, uh, our non-beliefs in women, we should do this in order to fool the rest of the world like we're doing in all the other sports but then they uh nah, we're not going that far to support women that's a jamie great opinion what's next
4: uh the next one i've got is from at duck of death six okay wait a minute, i gotta stop you okay at, at duck of death six i got at I, duck of death six yeah okay i have to ask
0: this crazy question was Duck of Death 12345 taken on Twitter? <laughs> and and I'm like, and I, I'm Duck of deck Death the sixth. I just, I just don't feel like there's a lot of Duck of Deaths out there. Okay, sorry. Keep going.
4: <laughs> All right. I'm the only person I know of that likes that baseball doesn't have a salary cap. Mm. This is America. We're capitalists. We don't believe everything. We don't believe everything company has to have the same resources to compete. Why should we expect our sports teams to all have the same payrolls? Duck of death. Good job making me
0: think Um, you're right about being a capitalist. However, this isn't forced upon the players unions. They come into a collectively bargained agreement. You are right. Right. It squashes prices, which is an illegal monopoly, but legally it's not illegal. How's that? When it's collectively bargained in the NBA and the NFL, the way they get away with it is a higher percentage of the profits go to the salary cap. So players make around 51% of the money. They get a higher percentage of the money. Now in the NFL, they get what's called credits. They're allowed to take out money for this stadium build or this issue, or maybe this suite doesn't count towards the total. I forget all the rules of things. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. But. For the most part, look at the way the money has skyrocketed. Look at the salary caps in the NFL of 1998 and look at the salary caps of 2023. Look at the explosion of money for the players that they've been able to get. So it's not like the system doesn't work and the players don't make out. The one thing about a salary cap, and this is one where I really wonder, the amount of money teams like the pirates and marlins make as a handout from other teams i wonder if they're actually the ones who don't want a salary cap if because if you have a salary cap here's what you have to do you as an owner have to show all of major league baseball players association this is how much money i make and if you're a team that is sitting there just banking 25 30 50 million dollars a year when you're not competing hard i bet the backlash in a taxpayer funded stadium would be so enormous it's easier for them to blame the dodgers for a Shohei otani contract for why they're not successful versus the truth being told you're just sitting back and collecting money I don't know how many owners truly are in favor of it. I do know Ken Kendrick is 100% in favor of a salary cap. And I admit in baseball, I am too. Because I think it's important to level the playing field perceptually. That does not, however, mean that these other teams can't compete. Um, I, I think it was Steve McCollum who just brought up the other day, maybe it was Monday, maybe it was the week before, that look at the Rays. Okay, The Rays are never anywhere near a tax threshold. They're never anywhere near even one of the top 15 highest payrolls in the league. Yet they're always in the top of the standings competing. So anybody who uses the lack of a salary gap as an excuse to why they can't compete is just a loser. But I still believe it would level the playing field a little. And it would be better for the fans to believe at the beginning of the season you have a chance. What's next?
4: Okay, I'm struggling with this one. It's capital O lowercase OF. Oh, well, I not- think
0: that's just like a sound effect
4: like oof. Oh, okay. I'll let I'll go with your sound okay. effect. Oof. Must be hard being a satanist thrown out into the cold. Hell Lucifer at NBA Nicknamer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. NBA Nicknamer, I I I don't know what I did. <laughs> to make you think I'm a Satanist? I have no idea. But peace be with you, my friend. That's all
4: I can say. I just, okay. Uh, here's the other cheek if you want it. What's next? Uh, delayed announcement on the McDonough arbitration might also keep a few sick uh, season ticket holders on the fence. Oh, At Greg H9. Greg, that's a very good opinion. I, I, I was in reference
0: to that of final briefs are due now. They got about nine, ten days, a week and a half, two weeks or so to turn those in. Then it's a ninety-day window for the arbitrator to actually rule on the arbitration case. And I was wondering; it seemed like to me the Final Four would be the best time because the local attentions on the Final Four, national attentions on the Final Four, on Opening Day. And football's been over for a while, and the draft stuff is already ramped up, but it's not huge until April. That would be a perfect time to release it, is what I'm guessing. And that's interesting. He's saying stall. So season ticket or like, okay, fine. I guess nothing bad's happening. I'll renew my season tickets. That's an
4: interesting opinion. What's next? Salute to my guy, Brian. Really enjoyed our conversation that night. Welcome. And I hope you felt welcome. Oh, good to meet you, brother. At Unplugged uh, Army and General Stavo.
0: Nothing for me to add there. That's cool, General Stavo. Thanks for reaching out to a fellow member of the Unplugged Army about the fun we had Saturday night.
4: What's next? Thank you at Unplugged Doug. My friends call me Aaron. Hard to <laughs> hear over the awesome live music at Bell's Nashville Kitchen, though. At uh, AG Kleino. Uh, yeah, I do know. Okay, so AG Kleino came. I know his name's
0: Aaron. I hope I didn't say Eric, but I think my wife heard Eric. And if you didn't know, and I don't mind admitting this, intern McKenna was running Twitter that night. So I think she wrote, hey, showed a picture of Aaron and said, hey, here's Doug and General Eric. You know, like that. He goes, oh, hey, I had a great time. By the way, my name's Aaron. "Uh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) like I know. And then I realized what must have happened. So Aaron... I'm sorry that I if I said Eric, I know who you are, and if Jennifer told McKenna, Eric, that's why you were called Eric on the tweet. But that's funny. Okay, what's next?
4: As an out of state listener, I'm loving these pictures. It looks like an awesome time. Oh, that's cool. Also just wanted to give you props for Doug's big one on guns. Oh. I took some cur- it took some courage to go down that path with a platform you have. I have similar views and agree with your stance. The killing of children shouldn't Mm. be a political argument Mm. at Merrick M. Uh,
0: Thank you, Merrick. I just this is kind of funny to start an opinion this way. I accept the fact I'm not greatly educated on the subject matter and I can accept your struggle listening to me on the subject matter. What I flat out told you. I'm anti-guns, I'm pro-Second Amendment, and Jennifer owns a gun and I don't, is the way I look at it. And yet, okay, there's a gun in the house. Um, So I understand how a lot of people might be confused, and that's why I don't talk politics here. But my major point on that is to look at those of you that are on the right and beg you to understand, no matter what you're thinking, it's not working. And those of you that are on the left, I wanna look at you and say, can you not understand with all the times you've kept asking for more. A doesn't work so now you want B. B doesn't work now you want C. C doesn't work now you want D. Why the point of a conservative might be I'm not going to trust you at all. So even if we agree maybe let's let's just throw something out there. Maybe we agree that AR15 should be banned. Like okay, that's just a killing machine we shouldn't have it. I understand why a conservative would say, but I'm not going to give it up because what else are you going to try to take? And from the liberal point of view, I can understand you yelling, how do you want to argue over this? I just say, can we figure this out? We are the greatest country in the world. Let's have a conversation, smarter people than me, and admit we've got a problem no matter what anybody thinks. Now, how do we resolve it while keeping our constitutional right and at the same time protecting kids? I, I feel like all we do is yell at each other about it instead of having level-headed people talk about it.
4: Uh, last one. Last one is from General Lance. It reads, Thank you, Doug. Even though my three are not Navy... We love and appreciate oh. all of our service members. Uh,
0: General Lance means that he's got three kids in the Air Force, which is just God bless you on that, General Lance and your wife, Tracy. But at the same time, I had tweeted out on December 7th some of the pictures of Pearl Harbor. Jeff, Weir production. You were fantastic on December 8th when we went through some of the pictures and talked about it. So that's what he's referring to is uh, me doing that last week. So thank you, Lance. Remember, at Unplugged Doug on Twitter, at Unplugged. Uh, uh, um, at Doug Frons Unplugged on Instagram. Email me Doug at Doug Frons Unplugged if you ever want to take part in um, Town Hall Tuesday. Now it's time for us to throw it over through Izzy Studio one wall, through the other wall, and that is where you've got Steve McCollum and Dale Hellestray coming up on the main event. Steve, how are you? Good. What's, uh, what's grabbing you today on, on a Tuesday? Did you oh, like my- the doubleheader
5: last night? Uh... I turned it off because, uh, you know, the Dolphins are up by 14 with three minutes to go. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> kind of a shocker. I get that. I get that. How would you like to be, uh, you know, the Giants, man, going to save uh, DeBall's job by uh, who would have thought getting rid of the 60 million dollar kid that went one and five to the guy making 200,000 a year, uh, you know, going four and oh now. So which
0: which of these things are totally out of place? Y- you decide what like spins your head more. Right now, the New York football Giants are one game out of a playoff spot. Or the two seeds right now in the NBA playoffs are orlando and oklahoma city yeah now what's wrong with the world right now
5: uh, well the nba's case uh in-season tournament flipped everything on its head of <laughs> course everybody's playing hard right <laughs> oh hey
0: now you, you you brought up something i i've thought of you immediately when i saw this story yeah I, i'm gonna
5: rant about this the
0: los angeles lakers yeah. are hanging an yeah. in-season tournament banner now supposedly it's, it's not going to be gold no it's, it's going to be at yeah. the other end of the arena yeah. and they're just going to hang one and put years up yes. every year they won the
5: Lakers are planning it. on winning multiple in-season <laughs> tournaments. They are planning that far ahead, folks, <laughs> oh. uh, where they are literally just putting 20, uh, 2023 on there, uh, and they're going to leave room for the 2024, 25, 26, 27, 28 Uh, The years on there Oh dear God I'm going to make fun of this For about 20 minutes Today on the show
0: (laughs) I did think of you immediately I laughed at it But here's what really Got my goat on it Is the other way around since the Lakers are doing it, the Lakers or Celtics could get away with it. But could you imagine no, how bad Lakers problem. and Celtics fan would rip us yeah. if the Suns won the tournament well, yeah, and, they
5: put, and we put a banner up? Yeah, that's the problem with it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this is NBA mandated, to be honest with Good you. point. To, to, now that the Lakers have won it, right? Uh, what do they always show now they're putting it on the other side? But They always talk about that. Now that the Lakers have won this tournament, the NBA can push it a little bit more because because you can put it in the context of LeBron and his career. Yeah, uh, things like that. If the, if the, uh, you know, the Pacers want to win it, it's harder to promote it all season long. That's whereas with the Lakers, yeah. you can't. So don't be surprised, but it's an absolute farce. One, they're hanging a banner. Two, uh, <laughs> they're only doing one because they don't want to hang too many banners. <laughs> they're going to leave room for multiple years that they win this thing coming up. That is the absolutely comical thing on the planet.
0: It's funny too. I read an article that said, it, it, this is one of those things where you it was totally clear that they're trying to make sure they get a jab in and that was um genie buss used a western conference championship trophy as a doorstop for
5: years yes. Yes. in her office yes.
0: so it's kind of like saying look these things are still beneath us yeah.
5: but the in-season tournament is important that, that's why don't be shocked if it's not coming from the nba that's a
0: great point yeah. great point and yeah. then to add to it do you remember the 75th anniversary team and devin booker talks a lot about legacy and hearing that when each person walked out in their 75th fort coat he was the this time Mm all-star, he was a this time points leader, he was a this time MVP, blah, 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 blah. I will laugh if we ever hear on the t- on Team One Hundred coming up in about twenty three years. LeBron James, blah 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 blah,
5: two time in season tournament MVP. Yeah, you, you will, <laughs> you absolutely will, because the NBA wants to push this right now. Yeah. So you absolutely will. Uh, that's what's amazing. Uh, and I, I was, uh, you know, I, was, I made fun of the banner, you know, whatever, a week or so ago, and, and you know, have a parade, all of that stuff. I made fun of LeBron for going to the locker room and donning his goggles and spraying yeah. champagne everywhere, and the other the players were like, what. Uh, all, all of that is uh, fun and good, but I, I was thinking about uh, Kobe yesterday uh, when I saw this come up across and everything. He'd be rolling in his grave, man. Yeah. A, yeah. It, it, it. It just tells you the difference, man. And in the in the even Michael Jordan. You'd think Michael Jordan, you'd hand him the in season tro- in season trophy, and he'd he'd hang it up all proud.
0: I've seen Final Four teams like Duke not take yeah. the regional award. Yeah. Uh, as they move on to the Final Four, It's like, hey, we're Duke. That's not why we're here.
5: Yeah. It's, they, you know, thank it's, you. We appreciate it. We did our job. We're going to go on and uh, we're going to go win yeah. the championship. Yeah. Uh, and that's what's funny about it. And then for it to be the Lakers to doing it. I would actually forgive the Pacers. I would forgive the Kings. I would forgive the Suns a little yeah. bit if they did it because not a lot to celebrate. Uh, but it's the Lakers, man. Get it's out of here It's funny you that. say
0: that because if it was the Suns, I would be against it. And for a dumb reason – I admit it's a dumb reason. I wouldn't want to deal with the crap from Lakers fan and Spurs fan that we would get for hanging an in-season tournament <laughs> banner. No, I, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not
5: disagreeing with that side. I'm just <laughs> saying you could see those, te- uh, you know, those yeah, teams do it. exactly. Like, oh, of Lakers. course,
0: Suns. There you go. Oh, yeah, you could have your hey, little uh, November win.
5: How, how do you feel about really quick Otani ruining your sport of baseball? Uh, this is the going to be that? the downfall. Did you see my article I posted for you by the way on the regional network for the Dodgers? I did, I did. Yeah. Thank you for that.
0: I just I looked at that and thought, oh my gosh, forty five million dollars he makes in endorsements.
5: Oh. Oh, really quick, my bigger my bigger, yeah, go ahead. My bigger point is is um, is it i understand it's legal uh we read that it's legal but if you're the diamondbacks if you're the rays if you're the teams that get money from these bigger teams they're circumventing that tax not only that, Mookie Betts is deferred, too. They're going to be paying Mookie Betts and Otani $79 million in years, you know, in years, 10 years from now. Uh, this affects the competitive balance of baseball. And, yes, you're right, and we talked about this, the lower-tier teams still can compete with the lower salaries. You see it with the Rays, the Diamondbacks did it this year, et cetera. Uh, but it's just a bad look for baseball, I isn't agree. it?
0: It's a really good point. Thank you, Steve. Have a good yep. show. See you, man. Uh, following along with Steve's point on if you didn't hear because I didn't talk much about it, I brought it up in four minute offense but it's a 10 year $700 million uh, contract basically $70 million a year and now it's coming out that $68 million of it's deferred that since he makes $45 million a year at, in endorsements he's just taken $2 million from the Dodgers and then The rest of the money, $68 million a year, is going to be paid from 2034 to 2043. Now, this brings up the hilarious thing. I I have to look it up. I think it's got like two years left. But every July 1st is Bobby Bonilla Day with the New York Mets. Because they deferred his contract and the interest became so outrageous. They owe Bobby Bonilla a million dollars a year every July 1st. The guy is, I, I don't know, 64, 62? I'd have to look up how old Bobby Bonilla is. But the guy, <laughs> that's so funny. The guy gets paid a million dollars a year to play for the Mets. And it's just now about ready to run out. And now the Dodgers are going to pay $68 million starting in the 2030s for Shohei Otani? I think it's brilliant on his part. Because those contracts come with a, with a small amount of interest. So it's not just going to be, boom, here's 68000000 million. It'll be with interest over the time that that money would have accrued. Steve is so right. That is just blatant circumvention of it. And in the NFL, they would reject contracts like that that circumvent the salary cap. I'm wondering how many agents or the Players Association are thinking about going to push for this so they can then get more money to other players who want to play for the Dodgers. And if you're the Diamondbacks, I look at it two ways. A, how can you allow this to happen? Because it just totally makes it the CBA irrelevant, number one. Number two, I think it's fair for us to look at Diamondbacks' ownership and ask the question, why weren't you willing to defer that much? I mean, they're getting Shohei Ohtani for $2 million a year. Could we not afford that? I realize what I just asked, because now I'm asking them to pay $68 million a year, years from now, with interest. Not something they want to get into. But, I think the Diamondbacks paid Bernard Gilkey off until about two years ago, four years ago. (laughs) They were paying Bernard Gilkey still. (laughs) That was one they really wanted to get out of. Alright, let's get into versus Vegas today. I am so bitter, so bitter about versus Vegas. If you didn't see it yesterday, I told you about all the games. I missed one. I should have done it. Zion was so terrible at the finals of the in-season or at the semifinals of the in-season tournament that. There were a lot of great articles written about how he took it, the maturity that he showed for the first time. I should have known the Pels were going to come out and dominate in their next game. That was poor uh, planning on my part. I missed a game I would have uh, been able to get if I had done the research. Said that I didn't like any of the games, but found a player prop I loved. Tyreek Hill over the 106 and a half yards. Tyreek Hill what looked like a high ankle sprain in the end of the first quarter. (laughs) And boom, he's out until the fourth and then just rubs it in by dominating some of the last few drives for the Dolphins, but still ends at only 60 yards. So I get what was obviously going to be an easy win when you get 60 yards on a bum ankle and you only play uh, about 30% of the game. And instead, I get nothing. So I got that one wrong. I went 0-1 yesterday. Overall, 10:53, 9:60, and 7. Today, I got quite a few of them. And one of them, I was going to do, and I scratched it. The juice is terrible. I totally feel like Keller's scoring a goal. Like, 100% feel like Keller is going to score a goal tonight. However, so does Vegas. The odds are minus 215 minus 215. What that basically means is my unit is about 5 bucks. If I bet $5 and I didn't do the math on this so I'm making it up in my head. But if I bet $5, that Clayton Keller scores a goal and he doesn't, I lose $5. If he does, then I make about 2 bucks. Not doing that. Not doing that. I'm not betting you a whole beer of A Mountain Amber Ale at 100 Mile Brewing Company that he scores. And then if I get it right, the bartender walks up and says, hey, you got it right. Here you go. And gives me a swallow, leaves a swallow in the container. Come on. No way. Not doing that. The games I do like. Hockey-wise, I got the Blues on the money line, Detroit's on the back end of a back-to-back, and I got Vegas covering the puck line. Calgary is on the back end of a back-to-back. I get a team as good as Vegas, and I get Calgary on the back end of the back-to-back. I'm all over that. Three games NBA-wise. Cleveland's on the back end of a back-to-back, and they had a long trip, so I like Boston covering the nine and a half. Lakers on the money line against Dallas. It's in Dallas, but Dallas is on the back end of a back-to-back. Lakers playing good basketball. And Denver only has to cover 7.5 against Chicago. Chicago's playing better, but Chicago just played in Milwaukee and went into overtime. Now, granted, the trip from Milwaukee to Chicago is nothing, but still, you played in overtime on the road, and now you're playing the defending NBA champions? Oh, yeah. Take Denver to cover. So I like that. Blues and Lakers on the money line. Vegas Golden Knights, Celtics and Nuggets to cover the spread. That's my versus Vegas today. Unplugged at, whirlwind.com, unplugged at whirlwind.com. This is Doug Franz Unplugged presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. One of the best Christmas gifts you're going to be able to get is to get somebody in your family or a friend and give them a Whirlwind Plus membership. Bell's National Kitchen 100 Mile Brewing Company Burrito Express Best Places to Eat and Parker and Son's Heating Cooling Podcast Electrical to take care of all your needs around the house. The main event's up next. I'll see you tomorrow.